It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Thursday, January 27th, 2022. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. Health officials reported 20 new coronavirus cases in Sitka on Monday and Tuesday, taking the seven-day total down to 112. The decrease may signal that Sitka is on the downside of the Omicron spike, but the overall numbers in the state are still quite high. A total of 5,497 new cases were reported in Alaska in just the last two days. And the State Department of Health has added nine deaths to Alaska's total, pushing that number to 1,048 for the pandemic. The fatalities confirm that COVID-19 continues to be dangerous to Alaska's seniors. Four of the latest victims were over 80, three were over 70, one was in her 60s, and one was in her 50s. Hospitalizations in the state are also up. 129 people are hospitalized with COVID in Alaska, four of them on ventilators. The State Department of Health continues to advise that vaccination remains the number one tool against the pandemic. Currently, 64 percent of Alaskans over the age of five have received at least one dose of the vaccine. You can learn more about how to get vaccinated in Sitka by visiting the KCAW Coronavirus Information Hub online at kcaw.org. The Sitka Assembly has approved funding to cover the cost of this summer's anticipated boom in cruise visitors. But the budget is still missing one key component, whether to close the main downtown thoroughfare to traffic on the busiest days. KCAW's Catherine Rose reports. Around 480,000 cruise passengers are expected to travel to Sitka this summer, following the recent expansion of the private Sitka Sound Cruise Terminal. And for the last nine months, the city's planning department has been drafting a plan to receive the large influx of tourists. When the assembly met on January 25th, it discussed that plan and the costs that go with it. The $1.1 million budget includes everything from 11 seasonal staff positions to temporary bathrooms, bear-proof trash cans, better library Wi-Fi, and more emergency vehicles. One thing missing from the budget, Lincoln Street. The Assembly still hasn't decided whether to close Lincoln Street from 10 to 4 on big cruise ship days or make it a one-way street all summer. Both options have a cost. Jim Michener, who owns a business on Lincoln Street, said he's in favor of closing the road, although he supports keeping it accessible for deliveries and emergency services. The, the lack of sidewalk space, I'm sure you've heard um, from the city, we get an F grade with how much sidewalk space we have available um, if there's more than, I think, believe a thousand people in town. So I know that's going to create a lot of problems with parking and things like that, but I really see the future as being a walking pedestrian zone. But William Jacobs said he opposes a closure and even wondered if it was too late to say no to the wave of tourists. And if 480,000 people is too many to handle without destroying what attracts them in the first place, maybe it's just many folk, too many folks to invite here. So when you consider these proposals, think about whose town this is. Even more important, think about whether you're solving the right problem. You don't buy a random pair of shoes and cut your foot down until it fits. If it doesn't fit, don't wear it. But Assemblymember Tor Christensen said that call is out of the hands of municipal government. Even if we do nothing on this plan, they're coming anyway. Um, So the only real question is, do we want to get ready for it? If it's raining hard and you're living in an area that floods, should you put sandbags up uh, or just let the flood come? And, and, and to a certain extent, 
this plan is the sandbags. Assemblymember Crystal Duncan brought up concerns about how a closure would affect Sitkins with limited mobility, and Assemblymember Dave Miller questioned whether they should reconsider the time of the closure. If Lincoln Street doesn't close until 10 a.m., what happens to the cars that parked along the street at, say, 9? The Assembly sidestepped the Lincoln Street problem and went on to approve covering the budget as presented. But not without more questions. Mayor Stephen Eisenbeis said he saw a few gaps in the budget that he wanted to look into. Namely, the impact the tourist boom could have on Sitka's waste stream. He wondered if it would be possible to use cruise passenger excise tax funds to offset some of the costs. It's easy for me to assume with half a million visitors in town, they're going to produce a larger amount of garbage that we're going to have to then pay to ship out of here. Now, I see a little bit of funding to pick up trash cans, um, but I don't see any funding to help offset the cost of shipping it out of here. And that's going to have the direct effect that if that account continues to go into the negative uh, because we're, we're shipping out additional garbage, that the ratepayers are going to have to have a rate increase in order to cover that. The Assembly approved the budget on first reading 6-1 to one with Eisenbeis opposed. The budget will come before the Assembly at its next regular meeting for a second reading, when the group will also consider a vote on the short-term tourism plan and just maybe a budget and a plan for Lincoln Street. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Katherine Rose. The Sitka Fire Department wants to use federal funding to help address a staff shortage, but it could mean some additional expenses for the city. When the Sitka Assembly met on Tuesday, it approved the department's application to the Federal Emergency Management Agency for a SAFER grant, or Staffing for Adequate Fire and Emergency Response. If awarded, the grant would cover most of a new fire engine and EMT job for three years. But City Administrator John Leach said the money would come with some strings. It pays for the salary and benefits, uh, but the important thing to point out is that uh, there is a bit of a commitment on the um, on the municipality side that standby pay and overtime would not be covered, but the hope would be that with the uh, additional um, mostly funded position that overtime costs would come down. Leach estimated the cost to the city would be around $33,000 a year. The fire department currently employs six engineers, but they've been working a lot of overtime hours, which Fire Chief Craig Warren said could be alleviated by a new engineer post or by more volunteers. But as Assemblymember Kevin Knox pointed out, the department has been experiencing a shortage of volunteers in the last year. It was my understanding that uh, through COVID, we've had a remarkable decrease uh, in our number of volunteers with the, the fire department, um, in part because it's, it's harder to recruit, it's harder to train, or it has been harder to train uh, and keep people current, and then also harder to retain them. So our capacity to be able to uh, deal with uh, emergencies and other things like that has been diminished. Assembly member Crystal Duncan asked what the fire department had been doing to attract new volunteers. Fire Chief Craig Warren said he'd been recruiting mostly through word of mouth, but Sitka's small, isolated population made it challenging to attract new recruits. Warren told assembly members that the department had been in the lurch on more than one occasion recently. And twice this year we were down to one engineer. Uh, I was using uh, my predecessor as uh, an engineer covering the radios at times. Um, I've had uh, admin staff, myself and the assistant chief, and the EMS director standing shifts and covering standbys. Um, so it, there has been a personnel burden over this year. Uh, 
hopefully we can turn the corner and start getting volunteers back. Ultimately, the Assembly approved the application on a 5-2 vote with Assemblymember Crystal Duncan and Mayor Stephen Eisenbeis opposed. The harvest numbers for a controversial southeast Alaska wolf hunt are in. The Alaska Department of Fish and Game reported Wednesday that some 64 wolves were taken during a month-long hunting and trapping season that conservation groups says targets a distinct subspecies that deserves federal protections. Coast Alaska's Jacob Resnick reports. The most recent population estimate is from fall 2020. It says there's high confidence of about 386 wolves on and around Prince of Wales Island. The most recent 31-day harvest closed in mid-January. It yielded 64 animals, and that's nearly the same as the year before, says State Fish and Game's Regional Wildlife Supervisor Tom Schumacher. Speaking of, we don't set a quota these days, so you know we just go for something that seems like you know, a season length that will achieve a, a sustainable level of harvest. And I think that's uh, certainly the case here. But conservationists want the federal government to intervene, saying the wolves are threatened. The Center for Biological Diversity filed a petition to have Alexander Archipelago wolves listed as a distinct subspecies after a record number were trapped two years ago. Shea Wolf is the advocacy group's climate change director in Oakland, California. So this season it was, you know, 64 wolves. Last season it was 68. And the year before that it was an unprecedented 165. And the state still doesn't really have a good handle on the wolf population. What we do know is that these wolves are suffering from high levels of inbreeding, from habitat destruction, from logging. And so these high levels of trapping are a problem for them. But the Dunleavy administration has warned that federal protections for southeast Alaska's wolf habitat could trigger an extra layer of red tape for development across the region. Fish and Game's Tom Schumacher says past Endangered Species Act petitions have been rejected by federal wildlife managers, most recently in 2016. We manage for sustainable harvest. And, you know, we're, not, we're not managing necessarily to, with an eye toward uh, the ongoing ESA process. I believe Game Management Unit 2 does not qualify, or it was found the last time to not qualify as a distinct population segment. So I think it's unlikely that the Fish and Wildlife Service would decide to list only wolves in, in that area. Resident hunters have long testified that the island's wolf population is healthy, and they blame the wolf packs for preying on the island's black-tailed deer, which are an affordable source of fresh meat. In reviewing the most recent petition, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service says it's found some merit that Alexander Archipelago wolves face threats. It wrote that habitat loss from clear cuts, aggressive hunting, and the impacts from climate change have only gotten worse since the last Endangered Species Act petition was filed on their behalf a decade ago. But it's not clear when the agency will rule. In the past, the review process took about four years. Reporting in Juneau, I'm Jacob Resnick. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News.